Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I have with me Jessica. Jessica is a 6'2 emotional manifester, and I've been waiting a long time to have Jessica on my podcast because, yeah, I just love listening to you just share everything that you share. And, you know, I just love I just love feeling into your emotional depths online. And so I just really was looking forward to having a one-on-one -on -one conversation and and seeing what happens from here. Yeah, I'm so excited too. Um, I mean, I've told you this before, but it's like, I, you know, you're you're the 1762 that I'm just like, oh, I wish I had that 62, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I just absolutely love the way you're able to just break things down and with that guilt motivation just get it out there and oh yeah it's it's gorgeous so I love following you too I'm really excited to have this conversation yeah so excited I mean usually I kind of start with like how people got into design and all of that but is there any place that you want to start with or anything any topic that you're feeling into currently that you want to talk about well I think it's a good place to start too with like how I got started because when I found out I was a manifester, it didn't click at once. <laughs> you know, it took me a while because I was so conditioned and my mind really wanted to be that auric hug. You know, it's like, no, I'm not this repelling person. That's not true. But then the more I leaned into it and the more I was able to like detach myself from that meaning I had created around repelling aura I was like, oh, wait, I, I see the evidence. It's here, you know? Um, so I had just burnt down my whole entire life is what it felt like when I found human design. I'd been running a coffee shop for 51 weeks. And then I had to make the really hard decision of declaring it bankrupt. And at this time, I was like in my early 30s. And I didn't know about the roof. I didn't know about the second life phase. Um, so it was really nice to find human design shortly after that. It was late 2019. And it was mid-September when I had to go through that whole process of, you know, attorneys asking me all kinds of questions about why this bankruptcy is happening and you know, making sure that I haven't fucked it up in some way and that it's not my fault, you know? Um, so it was a really grueling process that left me questioning everything, right? And so it's really interesting how, for me, it was mostly, you know, it was like, that open G, that undefined G center that really was like looking for a direction. And then I found human design. It was like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be looking for a direction. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's highly interesting, but that's definitely what, what attracted me to it was like, I was searching for what is next? Where am I going to go next? At the same time, feeling like I was going insane, but that was that second life phase. It was like, I was being dragged up to that roof that coffee shop experience was like my last big hurrah. I really deeply desired to stay in that first life phase. <laughs> you know, I'd kind of settled with the fact that life's going to be hard and it's going to be tough and it's going to be, you know, bumping elbows into shit all the time. But then really understanding that I was sick and tired of that. I was so done with that. My entire being was just like, no, we can't do this anymore. And then human design entered and it took me about four months before I was like, okay, I'll go into this. And it was actually um, a dear person who I, I can't call this person a friend because they kind of just showed up 
told me a little bit about my human design that I hadn't heard before and then disappeared. But that piece of information was about my profile. It was about the 6-2 profile. And that just clicked. And I was like, oh shit, okay. Now we got to just go deep. And so since then, I've just been deep diving everywhere I can, you know, when it feels right. And, and yeah, it's been, it's been a really, I want to say hard, but fun process. Yeah. 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 I really feel that as well. Hard, but also the most exhilarating experience to be on the most uh suspenseful journey to be on you know um and yeah definitely difficult and you said something about not resonating with being a manifester immediately and you know i mean that's it's a lot when you read like closed and repelling aura i mean <laughs> that's a handful to digest right that's um that's something that the mind doesn't take in very easily right and mm -hmm. it makes all sorts of meanings and stories about what that really means and of course hand in hand comes with like with that hand in hand comes your lifelong experience of kind of feeling like I mean you're the kind of manifester that has the ability to be social right mm -hmm. because you have the channel of openness but that doesn't mean that you're open you still have a closed a really densely packed aura right and so you go through your life through this experience of kind of feeling like you're different you know and that social interactions are extremely different for you and so yeah it's not easy for the mind to come upon closed and repelling and although somewhere it makes sense but at the same time it's like absolutely not because every manifester truly does want to be a generator right yeah. Um, and so I'm really curious about like even taking it back all the way back to your childhood and I want to hear a little bit about like what it was like growing up and what did you feel like you you had the kind of impact and you experienced the kind of peace that you know is somewhere in you within you the potential of it to feel within you or was it always a lot of anger and a lot of you know, just feeling like, what's happening here? Why is everyone trying to control me? Why can't I seem to interact with others in the way that other people interact with each other? So I'm just really curious about your childhood. Yes. Okay. Before I go there, <clears throat> just a disclaimer. If I tell any stories, because I never know what's going to come out of me. If I tell any stories, you know, just, I understand that the people that raised me absolutely love me. And they did the best they did with the knowledge they had, right? Having a manifestor child is absolutely not easy. <laughs> and I was born two years before Ra ever even downloaded or got this information forced onto him even, right? So my childhood was, you know, I was raised in South Dakota, which is in the middle of the Bible Belt, right? So it's a very conservative Christian. Children should be seen and not heard and kind of environment so for me it was really hard because you know I'm not only am I a manifester but I'm a gunslinger too so it's like I'm just gonna say shit and people will be like what did what just happened what did you just say and I believe that my inner vision got me in trouble a couple of times too because I would just know things and I would just say them and it would be like how the does she know that shit you know 
So definitely felt this, I mean, I don't know if I felt like it was wrong until people started pointing it out that I wasn't this social being, you know, that I wasn't around people. And if I had repelled someone, the question was very often, well, what did you do? Right? Because I must have done something to repel them away. And I would repel parents big time. <laughs> like, and that was really difficult for me because I would love their, you know, their kid, but their parent would not like me. And I would, I would sense that. I would feel that. And it would always be like, but why? You know, and it was kind of, I mean, I'm not gonna say it was easy, but at the same time, I, I like to say, like, I didn't really care but my mind started to care the more I got conditioned. Right. And so when I'm talking to a lot of my manifestor clients now, it's just, it's really about, well, what has the mind created about that story? Because I can make all kinds of meanings out of my childhood, which was really anger filled. Like I was one of those teenagers that was angry. It was so funny because I was going to make a real, there was a trend way back with uh, the teenage dirtbag song and I made a reel where I was like looking back at my first life phase. And there was a picture of me in my bedroom when I was maybe like 16 and on my door, there was a whole bunch of posters and also like an anger management poster that I'd written out myself, right? So anger had been and has been a big part of my life because that feeling of being controlled and that feeling of being the scapegoat, because in a classroom, if you can't control two people, me and another person, even if it's the other person's fault per se, I was the one that would get in trouble, right? I was the one that would have to take it on because it wasn't the other person's fault. It was my fault, which I understand now because it's like, oh, that's the close person. I can't read her. I, that must be her fault, you know? And so these things, they, they leave wounds. Of course they do. And then being a female manifestor on top of it, often having these leadership positions, you know, there's a lot of my chart pointing towards leadership with my trajectory of desire motivation and with my 22 and all of these fun things, but often in a man dominated world where I wouldn't, I didn't know timing. I've been, I, my whole life timing is just like, I don't know timing. And so that's really something that human design has taught me. But at the same time, even timing or not, I just, I really struggled to be heard, to have that impact because what does she know? And often what would happen was I would bring on an idea. I would bring on this, oh, this is what we can do. Like back in 2008, I was working at a, at an office and I'm like, oh my God, we guys, you guys, we got to get on Facebook. We have to get on Facebook. This is where we're going to find our people. But it was so new that they were like, no, no, no. And then, you know, five years later, they're trying to get on Facebook when it's too late, you know, <laughs> or at the restaurant that I, I was general manager at a restaurant, cocktail bar and nightclub, which was a nightmare, but I did it for two and a half years. And in the beginning we were looking at like, okay, so how are we going to attract people? And it was a social eating concept, but I know Stavanger, I know that city and social eating is new, was new back then. And I'm like, well, what if we just have something called an ego menu, which is just like one plate that you can, you know, that ego that you just want to have that for yourself. You don't want to share it. And they were like, no, 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 that's stupid. And then a year later, after I had quit, that's when they started doing it. You know, it's just like, so I see this happening all the time. And I'm just like, okay, 
one, it's showing me I'm not here to be managed. I'm not here to have a boss. You know, that's just the way it is. And every boss I've had has said, I'm a terrible employee and a perfect leader. And that's, that's me, you know? So that's a lot about my childhood and all the way up to my adult life. But anger was definitely something that I, I mean, my last fist fight was at age 27. I, it, I was angry. I was angry. And so it's been really nice to, to lean into peace. Like my husband keeps mentioning, it's like, you used to be so angry. I would come home and I would bring my day out on him. I would just, you know, spew it out and get it out somewhere. And that was not okay in any sort of way. Right. But now it's just come to this point where I protect my peace at all freaking costs. It's like down to the point that you can't call me unless it's after 1 p.m. and before 9 p.m. You know, it's like, it's just, you can't. <laughs> so <have> informed. <laughs> yep. Doesn't mean that they like it. But it's the way it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter that they, they like it or don't like it. It, it. That's not the point, right? And no. yeah, I think, so I grew up with a lot of manifestors around me. So I pretty much, a lot of my best friends have been manifestors and they've just kind of picked me out of the crowd and walked up to me and like chosen me and like taken me in under their wing. And, you know, like you mentioned, like you guys are way ahead of your time in a sense, because, you know, you are here to initiate things in the world. And I cannot tell you how much, like how much new music I was introduced to by my manifesto friends like fashion or you know like before things were trendy my manifesto friends were already talking about them and already informing about them and you know it's very common I think I don't remember where Ra said this but I remember reading it that manifestors are either like rejected for their ideas and their initiations or they're copied eventually mm -hmm. you know that's what happens and yeah I'm not surprised to hear that you know people just I mean it's it's really difficult to be on the receiving end of impact if it's not the right kind of impact for you and I think a big lesson that I've learned when it comes to being around manifestors is that when they're really moving towards something that you know it is not my job to guide them show them anything you know I mean I, I used to try to do that and I remember like having like broken up with friends because of that and you know because they're just designed to be way more independent that we can even begin to imagine and you know their peace truly has to come through what they do in the world right what they bring forth in the world and if they don't have that then they're always angry and yet when we when we're around them we're always like I can, why can't you be less angry? And then when they go out and do what they want to do, we're like, oh my God, you know, like, why are you doing that? I'm, I, I'm so scared. Like, I'm so insecure about where you're headed. And, you know, manifestations are not planned. Like, I think that's, that's the thing that people get very wrong, which is why everyone else wants to be like a manifester, right? Because they think that, we can come up with a plan in our head and strategize and then initiate that thing and like technically inform everyone. It doesn't work like that, right? A manifestation yes. is literally that manifestation of energy into reality. 
and it is probably just as much of a surprise to you guys as, as much as it is to us. So I wanted to know, what does it feel like in your system to manifest? Like, what does the process look like? Have you been able to observe that? Yeah. So for the people listening, my authority is unconsciously defined, right? So my channel of sensitivity is fully unconscious and my channel of openness is 22 is my personality sun and 12 is my design earth. If I'm not mistaken, it's one of them. <laughs> um, and so it was really difficult in the beginning to like understand like what does that feel like what is this actually you know when is that root pressure to solar plexus clarity actually moving me into to action right and i'd say that for me my inner vision has really been something that i lean into my cognition and understanding like how that really can be a part of my guidance guidance right and closing my eyes and just really feeling into that sense of, is this where I'm supposed to go? Is this coming from up here or is this actually coming from inside here? And like, I, I touched my test chest area because that's where it feels right for me. It's like, I'm feeling pulled from my chest. It's like, oh, this is where we're going. It's like, I don't know if you've seen the movie Donnie Darko, but if you haven't, it's an amazing movie. I, you, everybody should watch Donnie Darko. It's about time travel and it's it's just amazing. But he has like this, he'll see this tube come out of his tummy and it's just, he's just watching this tube and then he's just like walking where this tube is going because he has no choice of where he's going to walk. And that's really what it feels like. It's just this, okay, I'm not, this is where we're going. And it's so funny how often my mind will just trip me up. It's like, no, that's not where we're going. That's not where we're, no. You're not good enough to do that yet. You shouldn't be there yet. No, that's not okay. That's not safe. All of these not self topics that I have to deal with. And so the newest initiation I've created and this, <laughs> this urge, I guess, is the word that people use, but I really am like, I struggle with that word, even though I have someone who told me that raw uses the word urge. I haven't heard that myself, but it's just like, the surge of energy to do something right and it just never makes sense like i'm creating a conference april 2024 it doesn't make sense there's no part of it that makes sense it's like i'm i, I catch myself questioning it so often but there's no nerves i'm calm when i'm sitting and researching the people who i want to have on the stage I'm calm when I sit down to find the new place that we're going to have it at. And I say new because I thought I had the place, but they're bankrupt. And so it's just, you know, difficulty in the beginning. It's part of the process. <laughs> and so I'm really leaning into the fact that it never makes sense, but it just feels right. And the same with my content. Like I don't post often. I post very rarely. And if you were to look at the strategies that should not work. I should not have a thousand followers based off of 50 posts in a year and a half, you know, but I really am leaning into the fact that I'm here to decondition that strategy part, you know, right mind, right brain. And I post when I feel called to post something and it's always worked. And so my mind will come in and question everything all the time. 
but it's down to those small surges of whoop, this is where we're going to the big ones of the fest or the conference, you know, it's just like, okay, this is where we're going. It doesn't make sense. And I think that's just like one of the biggest misconceptions is that a manifester can manifest from the mind. Oh, you're a manifester. You can do whatever you want. No, I can't. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm being moved by the cosmos. <laughs> that is not my mind. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a feeling of, it, it really is a feeling of peace. Even if I don't believe that peace equals a feeling that comes after I've done something. I truly believe that peace is always available to me, but it's just a true feeling of peace when I'm working on these things. Yeah. I hear you. I feel similarly <clears throat> about success. You know, it's when I'm just being myself, even when I'm not guiding others, you know, when I'm not trying to be more than who I am, I consistently feel this feeling of success within myself. And so I fully agree with you that it's not something that happens after action. It's just your frequency when you're operating like yourself, when you're being yeah. true to yourself, right? And yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy to even hear that, that, you know, it, it it's just your energy moving you somewhere. And then you have this defined Arjuna up top that can be, and you know, it's here to structure, right? Your Arjuna mm -hmm. and try to structure your manifestation which is again an interesting may, must be an interesting process for you to witness because that's not what it's, it's here for right nope. help others with efficiency but it's not here to make your own manifestation more efficient and that can be that can be a trip and a half for sure um and i think people get this really wrong is that it's like somehow easy to be a manifesto or somehow manifestors lucked out or somehow you know that if you can just go out and do whatever you want to do then that means that you don't have to struggle like the rest of us which is so far from the truth from you know having spoken to so many manifestors in my life like it's just as scary for them if not more because it's it's so much responsibility right and it's so much I don't know. There's a lot of like, if you want someone in your life, you got to go for it. If you yeah. want to make some something happen in your career, you got to go for it. Like, you know, it's just everything in life is has to be approached by you. Whereas the rest of us, we're just waiting for things to come to us. Right. And so that brings me to this question of this rejection wound that that Ra talks about that I've talked about with other manifestors as well, because when you do initiate, you know, when you do go after what what feels right for you or what you want to see in the world, then there is always chances that people are not going to be on board. People are not going to, um, yeah, flow flow with your current. And you know, when we don't know about informing, that can be an mm -hmm. even more difficult journey. So, how how do you? feel about rejection like how did you feel about it previously and how do you feel about it now and also has informing kind of shifted things for you a little bit hmm. yeah so rejection is again the more and more I lean into design and my design and who I'm here to be the more I understand that 
I don't care about the rejection, but my mind does. But that wounding, and we have to take this whole, you know, our whole life experience into consideration. And of course, as a kid, when someone was like, oh, I don't want to be your friend, or an adult was like, no, you can't be with my child, or someone didn't like all the ideas that I would bring to the table a little bit too early, people just re reject them. It's like, it's so scary to to step into that role again and to actually lean into the fact that, yeah, I have this power and people are not going to like it. Some are going to like it. And I noticed that really when I'm, when I'm working on this conference now where it's like, okay, I'm going to reach out to these people and I'm going to ask them if they want to be a speaker and they might say no. And so it's like, that can be scary, but the more I do it, first of all, the more I see that people will get on board, which is like, Every time someone just gets on board, I'm like, oh shit, yes. <laughs> That's this is what it feels like. We're doing it. We're going. Okay, this is good. We found the right people. This is great. And the more I also see, because this initiation is correct, I'm getting a lot of support. But there's also that part of me that's terrified of sharing my idea because I'm afraid of being copied because I'm afraid someone else is going to like beat me to it. I'm an emotional manifester. I'm slow. It takes me a while, you know? <laughs> and so I'm very picky, but you know, second line about who I'm sharing this information with, who I'm talking to this about. And I'm okay sharing it now because I've had all those conversations with people. So now it's like, I can talk about it openly, but in the beginning, I was really like, okay, these are, you know, almost like confidants. Not that I have a lot of fourth lines, but I still needed that that secrecy of like, okay, I'm going to talk to you about this, but please, you know, I, and like I told Mar, I was like, you're a fourth line, of course, talk to your people about it. But just like, <laughs> Don't go on Instagram and talk about it, please. You know? Um, so this has just been really a healing process. And I think that's what all manifestors have to go through because yeah, we are the only type that is here to be rejected. We're the only type here to be rejected. And not a lot of manifestor accounts are talking about that part. Like that fucking hurts. And of course that's going to, to create this meaning, right? Our meaning making machines about what does that actually mean? And what does that feel like? And no, of course it's not a good feeling, but in the end of the day, it is here to protect us, right? It's here to protect my peace in the end of the day. It's like that person's not here for you. And if that person would sort of kind of perhaps get on board, it would only be a resistance. So it's much better. They're just like, nope, not for me. And I mean, undefined heart, right? It's like, I don't know my worth. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have that inherent sense of confidence that can come with, you know, the defined ego. I'm not saying everybody does because there's all wounds that can come into that too. But it's just this sense of really leaning into that I have nothing to prove and I'm just creating this thing because I'm feeling called to do it I'm feeling moved to do it and this is what's happening and okay we'll see what happens you know I'm like is it going to be 20 people is it going to be 100 people I don't know I have 50 people on the wait list which is after saying it once one announcement and 50 people so something's going to happen you know it just feels right um, but that rejection part can really stop us. And especially female manifestors. I just, when you have to, you know, stereotype things, but 
the most female manifestors that I've talked to is just like, if you're a man and you're a manifestor, you are socially accepted to just go. And that's not really socially accepted for females yet. So it's, it's not easy. I'm never going to tell people it's easy. I, I gate 47. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's easy to be yourself in this not self world, regardless of what your design is. I don't, I, it's, it's not an easy process. It's a struggle all the way through, but yeah, I think the deeper you go into your process, the less you care. I mean, your mind still cares, but you know, you just your your design, the more that it gets empowered, your body, the more that it's empowered, it's just doing its thing, you know, and the mind can keep doing its whatever it does, right? So, and like, I love that you said that you just announced it once and you have like 50 people on and Ra said that informing is marketing for manifestors use your throat and you know I have a defined throat as well but I can just even just sitting here and absorbing your frequency I can just feel the power in that throat you know I can just feel the energy in that throat and yeah when it's really correct there's there's nothing that you nothing else that you need to do because You know, it's like what Ra says, it's like manifestors when they inform, they part the seas, you know, <laughs> and that kind of clears their way and also attracts the right people to come in. And um, the only solution to, to getting over that rejection wound is peace. And the only way manifestors are going to get peace is when they do initiate, yep. when they do actually go after what they what they really, really want to go after or feel like going after right the only the only I don't even know the word that he used but like the only solution the only medicine for that wound is peace deep 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 peace and when a manifester has that after a certain point it doesn't matter you know who's on board who's not on board because something has been created in the world because of them you know even if it's in like the initial phase even if it's you know, they're, they they planted the seeds and now they're watching it grow little by little by little. Like there's, there's just so much relaxation that comes from that. And once a manifesto really taps into that, then there's no looking back, right? Then, mm-hmm. then there's just stepping more into your peace and more into your peace. So yeah, I think that's, that's really, really beautiful and really good to hear that, you know, coming off of your third line phase, that now in your when you're on the roof you're being able to like evaluate things and then now create things from that place of you know just feeling more healed actually I want to hear more about like what does it feel like to be on a roof you know Mm. and how is it like how many years have you been on the roof for and has how has it evolved sort of yeah oh it's very interesting um I have a lot of people around me who are afraid that I'm depressed or afraid because I've changed so much afraid because I don't seem so excited and passionate and blah 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 and I'm like dude I am but it's refined it's a refinement that keeps growing each and every day and when I was 27 I 
was diagnosed with ADHD. Well, at 26, actually, I was diagnosed with ADHD, which was fine. I mean, we don't have to go into that thing, but I found mindfulness and mindfulness practice because of that diagnosis. And really having that mindfulness practice was like life-changing for me. I remember like the first 15 minutes of the eight-week course that I was going to go to, the guy is like, your thoughts are like clouds out the sky. Some days it's going to be a bright sky with blue skies and the sun and no thoughts and no clouds. And other days it's thunder and lightning. And I was just like, wait, what? I'm not my thoughts. What do you mean? You know, I was just like so confused. I'm like, these things don't have to dictate me. What do you mean? And so I really started that process of, of, of taking that step back to observe what's going on way before I found human design. And it was really like, it's been a healing process of now I forgot your question. Pragyab. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just asking about the roof kind of. Like yes, that's where I was. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember, you know, that when I was like 27, it's funny because I, not too long ago, I shared my passport picture at 27 and then my passport picture at 37. And the difference is immense. Like you can see at 27, I'm just like angry and my eyes are bulging and it's just like, get me out of here kind of thing. And then at 37, I'm like, hello, you know. <laughs> okay, I've, I've mellowed. And it wasn't af until after my coffee shop, I really was able to lean into the fact that things were changing. I felt, I felt so wrong. It was like, I really felt like there's something wrong with me because I cut out all of my friends, almost all of them. I like two of them and my husband were left, you know, I cut out going to concerts. I cut out going to parties, you know, all of these things. I stopped hosting parties and I really was like, oh my God, I'm losing myself. Who am I? What am, what is this? And I thought I was, you know, spiraling into a depression, but then I found human design that was explaining that, oh no, this is a process of letting go. It's letting go of that first life phase where you learned a lot you bumped into a lot of shit. It was hard for a while. You weren't able to hermit that much, even if you felt like it. It was just being pulled into all of these different directions. And and then now having that time to like lick my wounds and just sit up here and really in, in, take that in. And I'm really grateful for that mindfulness practice because that's made this roof process easier, especially knowing that I'm here, but just being able to observe that, oh, wait, okay. I've learned that lesson. And I mean, it can be so, it's so funny because I really like to pull things down to the really, really mundane level. And it's even down to like how I pour my cereal. <laughs> and it's like, because I used to like just pour the milk into the cereal and it would splash everywhere. And now I find myself pouring it on the side. It's just like down to smallest lessons like that to the lesson of, oh, wait, hey, I have to actually take some responsibility for this power. I have to actually take some responsibility for this emotional power that I can express because I was a complete bitch my first life phase. Like if anybody who was friends with me until I was 30, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, I was, I was, I was supportive and encouraging and, and, you know, empowering the people that I felt were 
you know, within my principles of being able to do that, <laughs> but I could be a complete bitch. And it was because I didn't understand the impact I had. I really, truly did not see it. I mean, manifest or second line. I just, I don't see it at all. And it wasn't really until I think it was a year into my design journey and I was talking to my mindfulness teacher who I still have um, a relationship with. He's an amazing guy. He's just off of Chiron and he just came off the roof. He's a 6'2 and it's just, I love him to death. And we were talking and he was like, okay, are you open to hearing this now? You know, 43, 23 deafness. Like, are you open to hearing this? And I'm like, okay, I'm open to hearing this. He's like, you leave disaster trails. You leave disaster trails. Do, do you understand this? And I'm like, I do what? Because you know, I, I had no idea. And that's really, I really understood at that point that raw is like, yeah, manifestors need to understand their impact. That's all they should care about is how do I impact this person? How am I impacting this room? How am I impacting this community, whatever? And I was just like, I started bawling and crying and I was like, Fuck, it was such a shattering. But then to really, what I'm noticing is the more I get into the roof, I'm 38 now and I really enjoy it up here. I really don't like to get into the drama anymore. There's so much drama going on. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? What are you guys doing? You know, <laughs> why? But at the same time, there is, I, I see this objectiveness just coming more and more and more there. And this understanding just building. But there's also this part of me that's like, I feel like, oh, I don't know if I can share this yet because I know that in two or three years, I'm going to have a different perspective, right? Because I can already feel that the perspective is, is changing like every day. It's so weird, but leaning into that feels so good. Uh, my beautiful hermit body is finally getting the peace that it wants, you know, and that I have this ability to just be, but it took really understanding that profile aspect because I was devastated. I really felt like I was doing life wrong because why was I cutting out everything? And so that was a grieving process that needed to happen. Like, okay, I'm, I'm no longer that person. Of course, I love music. Of course, I'm going to go to a concert here and there, but it's not my lifestyle anymore. So yeah, it's, it's a really interesting process and I can't wait to see what it's like in a month or a year. <laughs> Yeah, I really resonate with some of the stuff you're saying there. So I have a six line channel and I just I have the most number of six lines in my chart as well. And I just went through my Saturn return and it literally feels like I cannot recognize the person I was before, even though I was for the past five or six years or seven years, I've been moving in this direction really slowly. And, you know, in some sense, I can recognize that, but I cannot relate with the life that I had. I cannot relate with the people that were in my life. And <clears throat> similarly, like you said, like it's even my own thoughts right now, I have this feeling of, especially with my channel being in the understanding circuit as well. It's like, 
yeah, understanding is never stagnant. Like I may say something today and then two days later, it's like, huh? Actually, that's not that's not correct. Like there's something else that I've recognized here that I know can add more objectivity to what I'm saying. So I I really recognize that process and I'm just starting to be in it, right? So I wonder how I'm going to feel as I evolve in this in this process. But I mean, a 6-2 profile is actually a really good profile because in the sense that, I mean, all profiles are good, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the hermit body, when when you do get on the roof as a six line, the hermit body naturally just knows how to like pull back and do its own thing. And, you know, when you're doing your own thing, there is this natural play that happens. Nothing that you do feels like work. It just feels like you're playing, you're having fun and you're just doing your own thing. And, you know, as a manifester that is designed to be relatively independent, you know, for the most part, like having that second line and being on the roof, I feel like all of these things are supportive to you just being in your process and um, being social when it's the right time, you know? Yes. So, that's that's pretty cool. Um, something else that you also brought up was was something that I have realized in a big way myself. It's like manifestors really don't realize their impact on other people. They just don't, you know. I mean, I I told you like I grew up with manifesto friends, and sometimes a glance my way, and a few of them were emotional would fill me up with all sorts of feelings and like it would it would make me feel a certain way and you know it's so funny because it's been maybe 10 years 15 years I still remember that look I still remember some of the things that they've said to me and not just you know the negative stuff but also the positive stuff I have never been impacted by anyone else the way that I've been impacted by manifestors in my life right I mean, there's this random story of like me, um, I went to law school in the UK and I remember this very like first day of my second year, I walked up to this tree and there were a bunch of people standing there and there was this boy who was just standing there and I looked at him and could tell that his aura is super powerful from a distance, right? And we didn't speak the whole time, but anything that he said, it just stuck with me. And later I found out we like had lots of electromagnetics and, you know, we ended up becoming friends and, you know, we're, we're not in touch anymore because he's super independent. He goes and does his vanishes for years, then comes back. And, you know, that's, that's, that's something that I've accepted about, <laughs> but I still today will think about some of the things that were said in conversation back then or, how I felt around them or what they introduced me to or and how that initiation kind of helped me move forward in my life. So, I mean, manifestor impact is huge and manifestors in their close aura are just like me impact. <laughs> yeah, I remember very clearly. I This was before human design, but I had an employee and she was... 2021 and I was in my 30s and so she was really curious but she was very timid and careful about the way she asked her question but she's like well I just why don't you have kids 
you know? And I was like, oh, well, that was a conscious decision I made when I was 16. I don't, I don't want that role. I have no intention of having the role of motherhood. I can definitely be a good mother in different ways. Um, and she was just like, that, that's an option. I, I, that's a possibility for me that I don't have to have children. And I'm like, excuse me, you didn't know that, <laughs> you know, just like, and I will still get messages from this person, you know, once a year, thanking me for letting them know that they had a choice. And I'm like, I, I completely changed her life trajectory with that one sentence. And that is some powerful shit that can be scary when you really see it. And also gives me that sense of responsibility as a 1222. Don't fucking do things when you're not in the mood. Don't. It's not going to be good for anybody. Like if I didn't take the nap that I had to have before you and I met, this would not be a good conversation. There is some responsibility in that. And I can only speak to emotional manifestors, but I believe that all, all manifestors have to really go through a refinement of understanding. I am very powerful in my communication and I'm also on the cross of informing. So it's like, you know, <laughs> a little bit of information can go a far way. And so it's, and I have that with my clients too, where people will be like, you know, two or three months later, like, oh, it landed. It finally landed, you know, and, and that takes a lot of me understanding that I'm just here to say what really feels right because, you know, I'll be social, but I want to impact you. That's why I'm social. You know, there is a, there is an agenda behind it. It's like, I'll be social, but I really want to move you somewhere. Let's, let's, let's get the stagnant energy out of the fucking way and go, you know? And so that's like, that's what I want to do. And so I don't see that unless someone actually tells me and someone actually can reflect back to me that impacted me. And if not, then I'm just going to, you know, I know that I have an impact, but I don't know. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's scary sometimes too. Cause I, I, I changed someone's life with a sentence and I've, I've done that before. I know. So. Yeah. I think you make a really good point. I feel like I don't tell enough to my manifesto friends. Like I just assume that they know, like, I just assume that you just know how freaking powerful you are. You know, it's just because it's so obvious to the rest of us that we just think that we don't have to let you know but like, you're so right because that can help manifestors realize more about the kind of impact that they do have and you know maybe that also brings a sense of peace to them right because ultimately whether you know you're a manifestor or not you know having realized that you had impact just really resonates somewhere really deep within yourselves so yeah, I think you yeah. make a really good point and about being emotional and, and just really taking responsibility for your moods. Like, yeah, that's that's huge as an emotional manifesto for sure. Um, I have definitely been burned by manifesto anger and just this chaos. Um and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel good. It makes you feel Really yeah. Do. yeah and and speaking of impact I also once had an employee um I don't remember what I shared something on 
on Facebook about leadership. And I had a employee reach out regarding that post because it was something about this makes a good leader. And she was one of the first employees I'd ever had. I was very young. I did not, was not a good leader at that point of time. I was an okay leader, but not a great one. And she said, you know, hey, I saw your post and I just wanted to let you know there was one time when you were my manager and, you know, me and this other person were standing in the bar and you were having, you were in a mood and you kicked a bottle towards us and said, clean up and just left. And I just felt I could remember exactly what she was talking about when she mentioned it. I remembered it because I also remember going to the back room thinking oh, that was unnecessary right? Because it was just, I was just in a mood and I, I just out on them. And she's like, that really impacted me. And that's something, and this is, oh, this is like 10 years ago. I was maybe 26, you know, and, and she still remembers that. And so that's really where I'm like, oh, fuck this refinement. I, there's gotta be a refinement, you know, cause that I can punch with a word, or like you said earlier, with a look, you know, it's, it's intense. And and I think, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of this manifestor program now where I'm taking four manifestors through the process of really leaning into the basics of their design. Um, and this is what all of them have in common. I mean, they have a lot of different things in common, but especially that powerful part of they're all females, too. And they're like, they don't know. They have no idea. And no one's told them either. Right positive or negative, not that there's positive or negative. I don't like good or bad, but that impact that I created in that, you know, employee, that was something that wasn't okay. It wasn't right. You know, that wasn't on her that I was in a bad mood. And so there's really this, there's a responsibility. There's just a responsibility. And so when I see in Facebook groups where manifestors are like, oh, I, I yelled at this person in line today and ha 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 ha, you know, anger, ha ha. I'm like, stop a moment, wait, <laughs> you know, shit's going to happen, of course. And we're not here to do that, that I'm a manifestor. I can do what the fuck I want. There's refinement. There needs to be a refinement process of really understanding your power. So rant over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I think with with your individual channel as well, like there is a deep like potential for serious mutation there, right? There is like and also mutation sometimes takes time as well. It's like I'm sure people have come back to you like, yeah, it didn't quite click in the moment, but like three months later, I just knew exactly where you were trying to empower me or exactly what you were trying to say. And yeah, I mean, that's also a fascinating process for you to witness as, as an individual manifester in that way, right? And uh, again, with, with the individual mind as well, which is <laughs> deeply mutative too. And then with your supportive frequency from synthesis, like, yeah, that's that's quite quite something for sure. Um, I'm wondering what's your relationship with melancholy then? Because out of the three channels that you have, two of them are individual, and you know, I mean, channel of openness. So I have twenty two, I have fifty five. So you, I I experience that frequency a lot, uh, and it is one of the most beautiful. Like it's 
it's so lovely to be by yourself in that melancholy if you have understood that you don't need to make meaning of it right yeah. and it's the most poetic the most passionate the most like I don't know I just I love that frequency when it shows up in my system but and of course amazing art is created through that I mean amazing music I mean when I'm melancholic music is heavenly to me and I just know by the frequency of the sound that this is the sound that my spirit wants right now so yeah what's your relationship with melancholy with art with creativity and yeah how do you express yourself yeah oh I I love my melancholy I always have but society kept telling me it was wrong you know society kept telling me that oh no if you're feeling a little bit bad then you should take this pill you know and so or do something you know the personal development world was like well do something take a massive action change your posture whatever <laughs> and it's just like no you know let's let's live in this let's feel this let's really honor it and <clears throat> For me, the creative process really is writing. I love to write. I definitely have to have music. I mean, there's certain, you know, musicians, certain albums, certain songs that are just like reserved for that time. <laughs> and so it's like my husband knows if I have a glass of red wine and Tom McRae is on, it's time for him to leave <laughs> and leave me alone and just let me do my thing, you know, give me a kiss on the cheek and go. Cause I just love to be in it and work through it, you know, and just like, cause I think a lot of the people who I've talked to who are emotional, it's like, well, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to be in this. I, I don't, it's, you know, everybody else doesn't have to. And I'm like, well, either they're faking it or they're just unemotional, you know? this is part of our beauty of really being able to go to those depths and swim in the darkness of despair and feel like life is going to fucking end tomorrow. And then you wake up and go, Oh, Oh, <laughs> it didn't end. <laughs> it was okay. You know? And like, like you said, music, like Adele with the 1222, it's like, hello, what would we do if she didn't use that melancholy to create music? And I really love writing when I'm melancholic. I haven't, I mean, I'll, a lot of what I've written that's gone on my blog has been when I'm in melancholy and then I'll wait till I'm a little bit out of that. And then I'll reread it and rewrite a little bit of it. Cause sometimes it can get a little bit dark and dreary and then, you know, I'll, I'll post it, but it's always, that's part of my art process and I wouldn't be without it. And I, you know, I, I've been on medicine before for depression. You know, I've, I've been in the system heavily of them giving me all kinds of diagnoses, you know, oh, you're bipolar. You have to try this. And, oh no, you're major depressed. You have to try this. Oh no, wait, it's this, 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 this. And then finally ADHD. And then I was just like, okay, I'm done. Stop giving me diagnoses. Let's not go there. I'm just going to be myself, you know? Um, but it was really hard because I got to the point when my doctors thought I was bipolar this was way, way back, but they, they gave me a medicine where someone could have come and been like, your mom died yesterday. And I would have just been apathetic. 
I had no feeling I had nothing I and I really remember like not you know not feeling like myself is an understatement it was just like this this huge part of me was just ripped away I couldn't go to those depths of despair I would just go to uh. and you know I'm I'm but I really found that my baseline is melancholic you know it's like I'm not a person who is excited all the time or let's do this or let's go there or woo yay yay I'm just like chill and then I'll have spikes of woo that's amazing and then I'll have jeeps to pair and then you know I'll go up and down and it can do that in five minutes or five days depending on but really honoring that process I think is just so important for any emotional being you know manifester or not it's just like you are here and we are designed to go there because there's something in there. There's something creatively beautiful, amazingly juicy at the bottom. But there are, you know, and of course I fall into this too, where it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I, I'll, I'll witness myself be like, I just don't want to, I don't want to. But when I can lean in and let go and just go there, it's like, oh, okay, this is juicy. And then there's times where it's not juicy and it just feels really fucking painful. And then it's just that mindful awareness of that. This too is going to pass, you know, right now it feels like this and it's going to pass. So yeah, I love my melancholy and I'm also married to a pure individual single definition MG. <laughs> melancholy is, you know, our breakfast. It's just part of our relationship. It's just part of who we are. And it's really been hard for him too, as, as a man to accept his melancholy as a man to accept that the pulse is not on, we're not going there now, you know, it's just been really freeing for him as well to just be like, pulse isn't on. I'm not ready. I'm not having a response. I'm not, you know, I'm just in the waiting mode of the generator doing things that, you know, create satisfaction for him. He'll go climbing. <laughs> We're living in a house now where they have a PlayStation. So he's found his love for need for speed or whatever that game was called, you know? And it's just like, he feels so good now though, because he really, and I say now, because I frustrated sacral is so intensely disturbing, like jarring. People are like the emotional people can be jarring. Yeah, so can the frustrated sacral, <laughs> it can. But really allowing him also to just lean into the melancholy. And he's a mu musician, you know, he plays all kinds of instruments. And so he'll make music. He'll literally go and make a song because that's what he wants to do. Or he'll play a game or he'll do, you know, but it's just like this. I'm going to find my satisfaction through this melancholy. I'm going to find my peace through the melancholy. Yeah. 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 We really need to stop medicating people for having feelings you know we really need to stop making people feel like there's something wrong with them because they're not always switched on I mean that's that's so the culture that we live in the society that we live in and I mean it's so disturbing to watch that to watch people be diagnosed with all sorts of things and for them to get in their head about that and like you said, to never really fully reach the depth that they're very much designed to reach and to find what's there at that depth, right? And 
I mean, I have a lot of individual circuitry in my chart as well. And my personality, sun and earth are both individual gates. And so, I mean, I just, even when I'm super melancholic, like, I know that, like, it literally for me feels like life is being squeezed out of my cells right now. It it literally feels like such a deep contraction in my being. But there's something so beautiful about it because it's real. Mm. And those moments, like, when even, even, like, of course, I do have my eyes as well when I just feel, like, so full of spirit. You know, my 55.6 is just... I can just sense it, right? I just feel so full of spirit. And but when it's and I enjoy that, but when I'm just really like contracting and it feels like life is ending and that there's nothing that's going to appear beyond this, you know, because no matter how many times you go through that melancholy, it still always feels like this is it, this is the end, you know. <laughs> now the sun is never going to rise and I'm never going to feel spirit again like I'm never going to feel the spirit of life again but you do and even when you're in that low there's just I just love it because it's honest I don't think I've experienced a more honest frequency because again it's not something that needs to be validated by anyone else like that's the thing about having individual circuitry right it's you it's you with you yeah and you don't need anyone to validate that because you're so you're so in it by yourself there and you know as you go through the process the process of self-empowerment that happens there and creativity and beautiful things coming out of melancholy like I wouldn't take it away for the world I think it's the most beautiful experience to have and yes I was too told that there's something wrong with me that I experienced this from time to time and I thought there was something seriously wrong with me because you know the thing about the pulse off is sometimes it's there for a few days but sometimes I've spent years like maybe close to a year actually a little over that just being off like nothing like no no point to life no point to anything and I think those places can get very depressing and and difficult because you think that you're never going to recover from that, but you do. But then you do, yeah. But that's so true. And it's, you know, my husband's been in the same thing. It's just there has been no, you know, when COVID came, he's an international wedding photographer. And so, you know, this purely individual force of nature, MG, with um 214 and 18 like knows where it's where he's going it's just like in struggle and perfected form it's like he's here to create art he's here to contribute this he's here to really do this and then covid came and was like oh no your your entire business is illegal <laughs> you know because weddings weren't happening and you couldn't gather more than 10 people and so it was a really hard process for him and it was about two years where it was just, you know, of course he, you know, there was times where he could do his work and he, there were other things he would do and he would find creativity and projects and stuff, but the pulse was just completely off. It just was like, okay, this is time to recoup, time to do something else, time to, to pivot a little bit. And it was really hard for him to see that and feel that. And I'd say the pulse has been off for him for about two years, you know, and it's like, just been like, nope, there's not, 
that that push is not coming. We're just stagnant in what's happening. And this is what's, you know, it's the day-to-day today stagnation. There's nothing moving. And that can get really fucking hard for the mind. <laughs> like the meanings we can create from the situation are, you know, well, the fantasy is is endless. And so it can be all kinds of insane things that we can create meanings around. And so it's been really interesting seeing him now in the past, I'd say maybe four to six months really coming back, seeing that pulse coming back on. You know, we also create maturation and mutation together. So there's a lot of things that are happening here. Um, but it's like when you can honor it and just see it for what it is and understand that, you know, it's back to that cliche meme, but it's so true is that we're not on the same timeline. You know, things are going to be different for everybody. It's not, you know, I was talking to a manifester. She's, I think she's 28, maybe 29, just around Saturn return ending ish time. And oh my gosh, I, you know, I thought my life would be completely different. I'm 28 and I haven't gotten this done or this done and this done. I'm like, sweetheart, I'm 38. I don't know where I'm going either. You know, let's just, that's not, that's not what we're, we're not measuring it towards an age or a milestone or a, but that kind of thought process can really get in the way of honoring that the pulse is off. It's just not there. And so I really hope that people that are listening, take that away of like, it's, you're not on anybody's timeline, but your own and your body knows, you know, we just got to trust it. For sure. And you know what I see with these like longer, like phases of not knowing and being super melancholic, at least that's what I've experienced. And that's what I've observed outside of myself. When we go through these longer shifts, like something really changes on the other side. You know, and it's something that's completely unpredictable. It's something that you're not expecting at all. Uh, and it just, it at least that's what I experienced. It just completely like that one-ish year of me being just completely depressed and coming out of that, my entire trajectory completely switched and changed. And what I knew inside myself after that, I've never known before. Mm-hmm. and I've never known it with that intensity you know I guess you really learn to value knowing when you go through long processes of not knowing right and then you also learn to value the not knowing because it's just I mean it, you see how it all works together right I mean how can you expect to to like an individual just becomes new over and over and over in their lifetime, right? Because as they shift, as time shifts, as they move forward in their life, like a new version of them is needed. Like, you know, they need to empower themselves to be that new version and they keep changing and keep shifting. So, I mean, if you can zoom out just a little bit and just witness that process, then I think you can settle into it a little bit more. Having said all of this, it's still difficult (laughs) and, you know, seeking creativity, trying to channel those, those feelings, those emotions or that contraction in a certain way is definitely helpful. And, Mm. you know, you've mentioned your husband a couple of times. So I'm really curious about, yeah, manifester in relationship with a manifesting generator. Who is very deaf, very, very deaf. He's (laughs) 
he's got struggle. He's got 39 and 43. And I am compromised in every single one of his channels. And I am dominant in my two and he's compromised in my 43, 23. So it's a really interesting relationship. I, okay, so the real quick story of how we met. I initiated a birthday party at my ex's house. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't have a house, but my ex-boyfriend has a house. Hi, can I have my birthday party at your house? Oh my gosh. Um, and so I did. And so I had like a friend's br friend bring a friend party. And so at the end of the day, I, there were more people there who I didn't know than I did know. And one of my best friends brought one of his friends that I didn't know. And that friend ended up writing on my entire fridge. I say my fridge because I had used to live in that apartment, but, <laughs> but the fridge, when I woke up the next day, he had written www.myspace.com slash the rape of Lucrece on my fridge. And I'm like, oh, that's a Shakespeare, you know, play like the rape of Lucrece. Like, what is this? This must be interesting because I love Shakespeare. Hello, drama. Hello, passion. <laughs> and so I go into MySpace. For those who don't know, MySpace was what was it before Facebook, you know, um, and I check it up and it's this death metal band. I'm like, okay. I'm not really into death metal, but I'll listen. Well, you know, and what used to be status updates on Facebook were called bulletins on MySpace. My husband, I didn't know this at the time, was the person behind the account. He was the drummer of this band or of the Raper Lucrece. And so he was the person behind the account. And he wrote a bulletin, a Treyu vocalist shot dead. And I was like devastated because Atreyu was one of the bands I love. And so I'm going in and I'm going to read this. And he's like, haha, just joking. <laughs> Design 39. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I don't have 55, but damn, what I was like, I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, haha, that was not funny. What the fuck? You know, don't scare me like that. <laughs> we started talking and I noticed they were going to have or actually on the fridge, he had also written the 22nd of April, Checkpoint Charlie. So I knew that they were going to have a concert. And so I was like, I'm coming to your concert on, in the 26th of April. And we just started chatting back and forth on this MySpace app before we actually understood we live 30 minutes away from each other. And we're both Norwegian because we had been speaking in English. <laughs> so it was just like this weird coincidence. And so I got really shit face drunk and went to his concert and after the concert I was just straight up to him you're mine kind of thing you know <laughs> just and after that you know our relationship just really evolved and it took me a long time you know I'm picky and we were together for four years and then I said I want to get married but I don't want to agree to get married I need the passion I need the romance so please you know, get down on some knees and ask me to marry me. You know? <laughs> and he took forever. And there was so many perfect moments. Like we were at Disney and there's, you know, all this firework going on. I'm like, oh, he's going to do it now. Oh, he's going to do it now. But no, we didn't do it now. And I'm just like, God, when is he going to do it? But it was amazing because I do love his provocation. I do. I'm like, okay, you got me. And so it ended up with him re- you know, he's not, he's completely open solar plexus, but when he does romance, he really knows how to do it. And the way he 
proposed was he re um restaged our first date and when we had our first date we had zero money we were super broke we were I was we were 22 I believe I'm not sure 2006 um and we had tomato soup with egg and macaroni that was like what I could afford to eat back then and I didn't have furniture where I lived so we would sit on the floor and eat it and so he had like I had had this long weekend and I come home and I don't notice anything because I was just like I need to get out of these work clothes I need to put on something comfy and then I come into the living room and there's just like candlelights everywhere and I was just like oh you just thought I had a long weekend and this was so nice and then he had put the ring in the tomato soup <laughs> <laughs> this is something that's so cliche it's so cliche and something that it took me a long time for him to I it took me a long time to admit to him I saw the ring way before I said anything I saw the ring and I had an emotional authority right it's the more I look back at these big things like I had told him I was ready but I just I needed to eat that soup and I ate up the soup and then I was oh <laughs> pretending I was surprised but I was just like yeah and then he looks at me he didn't ask me to marry him he's like do you want to spend the rest of my life with me? or do you want to spend the rest of your life with me and I was like oh yes and so I and I relationship has always been based on like one of the first things he told me was like I don't read between the lines I don't play games I'm that's not what I do and I really love that honesty at the same time as my dramatic self was like, what, you don't play games? <laughs> you know? But learning that a really open, honest relationship where communication is number one is much more fun than the dramatic games. So he's taught me a lot about me. I mean, he really has empowered me to be myself. He's really allowed me to just be myself. And he's always like, why are you apologizing? Why are you, you know, saying you're sorry, like that open ego shit? You know, he also has an undefined ego, but he's a man. So he's got a little different aspect of looking at that thing, you know, and he's always encouraging me and vice versa with him. Like I really initiated him into becoming an international wedding photographer. I was the one that was like, you're going to go to this workshop. I don't care that we don't actually have the money to it, do it because I can feel that there's something more inside of you. I can feel that this is where you're going to go. Let's go. So people have always looked at our relationship and been like, oh, it's so beautiful and it's so perfect. And I'm like, there's a lot of work behind it. There's a lot of communication. There's a lot of time alone. We're 9-0 together. We don't need anybody else but we know we need time apart we know we need to be you know before COVID he had 133 days a year he would travel and that was perfect that totally worked for us and people would be like you're gonna go on vacation without your husband I'm like hell yes I'm gonna go on vacation without my husband <laughs> of course so we've always had a mutual agreement of allowing each other to be but meeting as two individuals who wants the best for each other and so yeah i i love our relationship i really do yeah and yeah. so compromise gets a hard rep because i think he just has a lot to teach me in those areas when i can be humble enough <laughs> to his wisdom yeah
And when you truly resonate to someone else and it's really correct, you are open for that wisdom. You know, you because, you know, we we think that we're just randomly meeting people. That's not true. You know, everyone here is here to teach you something or show you something or share some kind of awareness with you. And especially these like long standing like actors and players in our movie. Right. They're really there for a reason. And um, if if it's really correct, then both parties really benefit from from each other's frequency. And it might the mind might not always feel that way. Because mm -hmm. the mind has its own notions about what is good and bad. But for your awareness, that's exactly what, what you needed, right? And so that's really beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that. Because it just like warms my heart. And yeah, it just sounds, yeah, it sounds lovely. You know, it just sounds really beautiful. And for someone like, you know, I'm a projector. I'm always looking for the right other. I'm always looking for you know the right person for me well not actively looking but you know what I mean right mm -hmm. and so it's just really nice to hear these stories of you know like where you just see a chart and you're like oh my god so many compromises where nine and oh we can get stuck together but sometimes you know being nine and oh can also be really overwhelming because you can just like feel really trapped in that right and yeah. so Sometimes you can look at a composite chart and you can be like, oh my God, this is way too intense, but actually it works. And sometimes you can look at a composite chart and be like, yeah, this actually looks great, but it doesn't work, right? And it all just comes down to if it's the right person for you through your strategy and authority. And if you resonate with each other, then it's amazing. Yeah, I think both Eirik and I, my husband's name is Eirik, I just call him husband, but both of us have this notion of we don't need each other. We want to be in a relationship with each other. We've chosen to do that. And of course, there might come a day where one of us doesn't want to do that anymore. But so far, no, you know, we love each other and respect each other. And God forbid that day comes because my mind would go crazy if that day did come. But, but it's just that mutual respect. And like you said, this relationship has brought me so much awareness and so much good conditioning, right? Like the type of conditioning that I like and want <laughs> because I can feel that it's right, you know? Um, but it is really interesting because in the beginning of our relationship, you know, we didn't have that much distance, but I would work nights and he would work days. And so we've always had this relationship where it's like, we're not, even though we're a nine oh, it's like, yeah, we'll get stuck for it together for a week. And then I'll be like, I'm going to go to my friend's house. She's an eight one, you know, or we're an eight one together. So I'll just like hang out there for three days and then I'll come back or, you know, he'll go to the States because he has a whole bunch of people in the States and a whole huge network there. It's just like being able to be honest about now I'm feeling suffocated right now. I feel like, I mean, for me, I'm being pulled into your direction or I feel like you're just, your frustrated sacral is just too much right now. You know, it's just, it's really interesting to have this honesty and for him too. He's not like, he doesn't study human design on his own, but he picks up what I put down all the time. And so we'll often have conversations about it. And he's really interested in listening to me about this subject, you know, and especially when it's about 
him and his personal development and, and what I see because he's like, oh, generator, can I, <laughs> let me talk to me about me and personal view. Talk to me about me. You know? <laughs> and so it's like he really will get into it, but he's also a one three and he's really curious. You know, he really wants to understand the foundation of this. And so he'll ask the most insane questions like, you know, he's really curious about, well, because there's certain parts of the world where they will curate a birth time. They'll like have a, um, a what is it called? Not a natural birth, but like they'll cut open the C-section. Yes. Yeah, and they'll like order a C-section for that time and that day. But what does that say about human design? How does that work? And I'm just like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I'll put your question out there. If anybody has the answer, please let me know. But it's like, he's just an open head or undefined head for him. But it's just like, he really has these most insane questions and he's a cross of tension. So he's here to really fine tune, you know, everything that comes into his sphere. And it's just beautiful to watch, but sometimes can be a little bit annoying because I don't have the answer. <laughs> Well, from what I know, it doesn't matter if it's a C-section or a vaginal birth. The moment of birth, like when the baby is out, is is what is is what is used to calculate. Yes. Um, okay. Good. Why? But that's that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> that's perfect. I'll let him know. He's gonna want to know why, but I'll let him know that we don't know why. <laughs> perfect well this was this was like really really amazing Jessica I had so much fun and yeah it just I really really enjoyed it I really enjoyed like the honesty that you brought forward and yeah I can just feel your power I can just feel your cross coming through in such a big way and yeah I can't wait to see what happens with the conference I can't wait to see what else goes on you know uh, always waiting for your impact so thank you so much for joining me thank you too for yeah i'm just feel really honored to be here i love this conversation it was fun